Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. So we're recording on a Friday for Mixed Company. Yes, um, and I'm not going to lie, I'm highly exhausted, but definitely wanted to make sure we got in a conversation today. Simeon, what up? I'm also exhausted. You sound exhausted. Your vo- your voice is like registering lower than it usually does. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was, it's like you're ba- it's like you're barely speaking okay. according to speak. the metronome. I'm gonna speak louder. No, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So we are here with another episode, mixed company. I guess we're like mixed company 2.0. Yeah, we're a duo today. We're a duo 2.0. Um, and we, I mean, there's so much happening in the news right now. I feel like 2020 is almost over and it's just the third week. (laughs) Like it literally felt like a whole year this week for me. So there's, 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 there are some things to cover. The ancestors are giving you trials to overcome. I think that's what it is. (laughs) You'll be stronger. I think that's what it is. <laughs> you know, you know the sayings like they don't give you more than you can bear and I'm like, you know, I feel like we should negotiate what's bearable <laughs> before we actually like go forth to be great, but we're here. Yes. We are here and we are going to go ahead and kick off with some dope shit and maybe some ain't shit. I don't know. Mine yeah. is somewhere in the middle. Uh mine's is really quick. Um is a shouting out Matthew Sherry because he got the Oscar nomination for Hair Love. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, is pretty dope. If you don't know, um, Matthew Sherry is a former NFL player who basically wanted to um, do a short film that highlighted black fathers in a different way. Short um, animated short film. Animated I think that's film. actually important. Um, I believe he d- his initial Kickstarter was for like 75000 He ended up getting like 300000 um, and it released last year um, as like a mini opening cartoon for another uh, Pixar animated film. It had all it had all the black women crying, yeah. all the maybe all the women. I just know all of my group chats, my Facebook groups, my Twitter groups, and fish bowls were in in tears, like yeah. out of nowhere. Nobody asked you for that. You didn't yeah. even send it with tissue. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's. It was, it was a dope film. Um, also, I just think it. I like when things like this happen because uh, within this industry, you know, there are these moments where people say, "Well, we're not saving lives. We don't. <laughs> we're not changing the world." Uh, but creativity is powerful, and this is one of those moments where um, I think we can see the power of creativity and how it can shift perspectives that need to be shifted um, today. Uh, and so, shout out to him. It's dope shit. Um, I hope he wins the Oscar uh, because that would also be dope shit. And yeah, that's that. Yeah, it was actually, I think that perspective of um, fathers doing their daughter's hair in general is all, you know, like normalizing the parenting of, of, a, of a little girl yeah. by a father is super important. And I think that that goes across um, any ethnic or racial boundary because a lot of times in society and uh you know social norms we pigeonhole men as like you know they're not good for doing anything besides taking out the trash and the reality is there are a lot of fathers who are amazing partners husbands 
co-parents, single fathers, etc., who who are really putting in the work to make sure that their little girls are taken care of, and and it's a lot because um, you don't necessarily identify, and and you know I'm I'm sure as a father of a little girl with extremely curly, thick, strong hair. That is scary, and that's definitely a story I think that was necessary to be told, so yeah. I enjoyed it. I mean, I think that's, and to piggyback off of that, you know, a lot of these calls to actions or why we're here um, and why diversity is necessary is because you get those diverse perspectives that need to be normalized, uh, whether it's fathers doing their daughter's hair or women being the breadwinner or taking out the trash. Like, these are things that... Um, we can showcase with our work and they can be very really thought-provoking and provocative and uh, achieve the goals of the clients that we serve and so this this is one of those examples of what happens when you actually give um people of color quite frankly or black people the opportunity to lead the creative and do something amazing and do dope shit cool 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 so I guess I'll go ahead and go and dive right into my mm, interesting shit. I don't necessarily know if I'm going to give it a, a, a complete thumbs up, but it's definitely a something. Um, so earlier today and today is uh, or yesterday, rather, um, on the 23rd of January at the uh, amazingly well attended uh, and, and extra bougie conference called Davos, um, Goldman Sachs, because where else would they be in the world but at Davos, uh, decided to unveil one of their latest policies on IPO solicitation. Um, and basically what they're saying is, you know, if you're a company and you're out here in these streets trying to go public and you don't have a woman and or a person of what they're calling diversity, so if you are uh, not male straight or white or woman you have to have at least one person on your board that fit into that category for them to give you an ipo so they're refusing ipos if all directors are wh are white straight men um and there are people in the in these streets that are cheering and chanting yes and high-fiving and chest bumping and i think that this is a great step um, I think it is something that um, is important to announce. Um, obviously, as we know, I don't necessarily think it is enough. Um, and, and because of that, I'm not sure that it's not for PR. And I think that there's something to be said that here we are in, 20, in 2020, and you know this company is looking and saying, you know, we just realized that the majority of the IPOs we we released in the last few years have been all white male boards. <laughs> when people literally have been talking about this for decades, and not to mention calling calling these companies out in publications for years, and all of a sudden you just now realized it to only require one change, not even a percentage just one person on your board. So if you have a 100-person board, which I know that never happens, but let's just think about it. If you have a 100-person board, only 1% of your board has to be diverse. And so what are we saying here? That it is, it, it, you know, we don't want all straight white men, but we're only gonna require you to have one person that doesn't fit in that category. So, you know, if you're looking at the glass half, half full, and the way my week 
is uh, netting out. That's not me today. But if you're looking at it half full, it is progress. Um, and I won't take that away as this becomes a precedent that can be set for other organizations at, uh, and the expectations on their diversity efforts. However, I, I am challenging. I'm going to continue to challenge people to stop taking the easy steps. And, and, and I want to... I want to say it probably wasn't easy just to even get that passed, but I want to encourage other people who have more, um, uh, who have people with, with stronger values aligned with inclusion on their teams to not think that the baseline is one person and to think beyond one person, to think, think in terms of who you serve and who you represent um and unless you know your company is you know straight white men for america like i don't understand why you absolutely have to have only or you can only afford or manage to have one person who's not a straight white male um but also i'm a little raw this week i went through some shit you know i lived through things i lived to tell to tell the story i will tell you all on another time i'm sure um but I'll be the first to say I, I'm not impressed because that's not enough. You've got far too much money, far too much influence, and far too much power um, that that's the best that you can do um, and to feel good about it when you make that presentation at Davos. Yeah, um, this feels like press. Um, it feels like and press. It's, and A lot I of people s- do this shit for press, though. Right, and I say that um, looking, tr- trying to be um, someone who got some free coaching last week and the glass is half full and not empty look how look how the, <laughs> the tables have turned um it's and so it's great and so what i will say is this is a yes and moment right so yes we want this but also what are you doing to make sure that um people aren't that these companies aren't just putting uh, a woman or uh somebody who's black or brown um or lgbtq on the board just to get their IPO pass, right? And so I think that's where, you know, because technically they're not the first, right? We can look at the brands who are saying to the agencies, don't come to to the pitch unless your team is diverse. My head went straight to advertising too, right? Um, And so it's, yes, and but we all know, or a lot of us know the stories of the people who are the one and the only at the table or in the room and what that feels like and what that does and how the microaggressions start to add up and how they're undervalued and under uh, underutilized and things of that nature. So I yes, we want this because it is a step forward in the right direction, but we also need to be cognizant of the, the cultural... Um, barriers or or mishaps or missteps that happen when there is just one person on the team and they're there for face value and not to be uh, a contributing member of the team. I think there's just something to be said about this culture of mediocrity and it like expands. (laughs) I'm like, I'm on 10 this week, right? But there's like people and we don't realize it, right? There's a culture of mediocrity where it, it is okay to tell people that you know just a tiny step counts and the and the the problem here is that i'm seeing is that 
the fact that we've continuously said to folks it's the tiny steps that count not to say it doesn't not to say that it doesn't help with morale not to say that though you know it's not important to take those tiny steps but if all i'm requiring of you is to take a tiny step all you're going to do for me if it benefits you is to take a tiny step and i don't think that that's realistic when it comes to seeing impactful change i think we look at this like look at this like a creative team let's go with your biggest idea and scale down based on what's feasible let's not start with the smallest baseline and try to scale up we always know that that doesn't necessarily lead to the biggest impact yeah i mean i think the the one person is lazy right it's it's really a lazy number um i'm not raw this week but i am on oh my god i really on am 10 this week um and i had the pleasure of watching um nation time um gary which is uh, a microfilm or a film that was recorded in 1972 at the national black convention um in gary indiana and jesse jackson um was one of the keynote speakers i guess um back then and the way that he broke it down was that and I hate to put it like this because then people start talking about quotas and, and, and how they're they're wrong. But ultimately, like if we're looking for some semblance of equality or justice in in these corporate spaces, then we should be looking at percentages. Right. Like if if you're looking to serve a population that has 20% people of color or 20% women, then you should be using those percentages to to kind of determine how or or to give yourself a baseline of like what equality or diversity should look like. And doesn't necessarily mean that you need to hit that number because then you can run into um again the numbers game of just trying to make sure that you have this one person or these two people or three people who are going to be represented at the table but to really give people a formula that that showcases the diversity that you're looking to to serve on your actual boards so like kudos to them for 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 doing the bare minimum um right and right um, but i i think it needs to be acknowledged that that is the bare minimum um Goldman Sachs is a global company. Um, you, they serve um, people from all nationalities, all races, all ethnic groups, all genders, all sexualities. Um, so to throw the one number out there, it just feels um, lazy and it feels like PR. And I'm sure that somebody sat down there and you know worked to death this press release on how, why this is the greatest thing ever. And I want to be clear that I'm also certain that somebody pushed for more. I'm also right. certain that on the back end that like there may have been months, maybe years of arguments, not years. Let me let me not give them that much credit. Mm. A couple months of arguments about what the baseline should be. And I'm just I just want right. to be a person because no one else is going to tell you this yeah. because the comment section on all of the on all of the articles picking this up right now are lighting up with people that are like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Let me be no. the let me be the person to just bring you down back to earth for a second. Yeah. If you touch it's, it's in sports, if you touch it, you can catch it. Yeah. And right now you just touched it. 
-hmm. okay? You should be able to catch the full and grasp the full idea of what it means to be inclusive. And one person is not going to feel included on your board. So that in itself is in conflict and completely contradictory to what you're looking to do. And and it also raises the question of this then becomes a, a question of, okay, cool. This is what you want from these companies who are approaching you to help them, um, you know, launch the IPOs. But what are you, Goldman Sachs, doing internally for your own employees? Um, I know somebody who used to work at Goldman Sachs, and so when I've heard the stories or the parallels of their experiences to the ones that we've experienced here in in advertising, where you know who who gets to to help the the most the the companies with the highest potential go public, right? Like who are those people who are going to be working on those teams? It's it's easy to tell other people to come to the table with this um, whitewash representation of diversity. Uh, it's a little bit harder to then say, we're asking this of you, but this is also what we are doing on our side to make sure that we are being diverse and inclusive and equitable um, from a Goldman Sachs standpoint. I mean, that's not what the article is about. So I ain't even gonna touch on what they're doing internally, but I mean, because I was like, that'll send me to a whole other it, place. But it's fine, yeah. it's fine, it's fine. So good for y'all, but not good enough. Um, and yeah, that is dope shit, and could be better shit. Let's call it that. <laughs> um, so I think we can go ahead and move into our conversation. So uh, earlier this week, I got on the Twitter, and the Twitter sent me for a loop. Because the NFL is out here uh, on their bullshit again. Um, so as we know, it has been officially how many years since 2016? Uh, since Colin Kaepernick, four. yeah, it's getting yeah. close to four years since Colin Kaepernick has um, took a knee. Oh, since he took a knee, and since he's been picked up by an NFL team. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple things that I'm clear of. I recognize that the uh, NFL franchises are relatively separate entities within the NFL. Yes. I recognize that, you know, you can't go back to the past. Also I true. recognize that, you know, all people can do is be better than they were yesterday, right? Ideally. Ideally, that's the goal. The goal for every day is to be a better version of yourself than you were yesterday. And that goes for organizations as well, right? So when I saw the headline on adage.com that the NFL takes on police shootings of black men in new ad, I had to withhold myself from getting on that train at the Utica Avenue stop on the H on the A train side, A train line, because I needed to take a moment before I got around anybody else, because I was going to start swinging. And the reason I was going to start swinging is not because I don't think it's important that everyone take a stand against police brutality. It's not because I don't think that the issue is important. But I do think that I am just sick and tired of people using the pain and the tragedy and the trauma of black people, of brown people, of, 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 of women as a means to make money. And if y'all know anything about me, you know I got a good gut. 
figuratively and literally, which means that I know when shit is not right. I know when this is just a briefing on how can how can we get our ratings back up and how can we uh, reinstill trust from our uh, um, attendance base and our uh, uh, fan base. How can we get back into the uh, the limelight, the the good graces of the of people, not just black good graces, but people. Because we know it's a lot of black people that were still watching the NFL. I ain't even going to do that. Right? So, to me, it is okay for you to stay silent on maybe, and, and if we look at it, it's like advertising. NFL becomes the holding company. And the NFL franchises are the daggone uh, uh, agencies within the holding company. And they are just financially beholden to the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was okay for you to stay silent, relatively silent, on the poor treatment of an employee of one of your franchises. And it was important for you to not take that person's side. It was important for you to not take a stand in the middle of the heat that was coming down upon this country when when uh, uh, police brutality in the media, being visible within the media, w- was at its height, right? Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden that you don't have to worry about Colin Kaepernick anymore because you've already given him a, a fake training because we know that that wasn't real, a fake workout, because you've already shown or done your mediocre best then now it's okay for you to use your employee resource group, okay? Because that is exactly what the fuck the de- like that is exactly the players, what the, the, the players the players coalition <laughs> is. It's an employee resource group. <laughs> it's led by players and former players, right? Yeah. It's not it's not led by the NFL. It's not led by funny. a team. It's led by the players uh, as a support group for them to do good, right? So you're going to create an ad saying that you're taking a stand while your employee resource group is out in these streets trying to do their best to separate themselves from the fuckery that you and your franchises have stood for. And y'all want me to pat you on the back for it? And then you have the nerve to program this for your Super Bowl. I was heated. I went there. I I was done. here's, Here's the reality, and this is something that you like that I called it an employee resource I, group, I did, right? Because it I is. Did. Um, here's how I, how I internalize this. And, again, I'm on one because I just watched this National Black Convention from 1972. Um, I personally feel like we are have been in a consistent loop when it comes to the calls to action for diversity and inclusion. And we're in a similar place to where they were in 1972. And part of the issue is, and I love that you call employee resource group, because anytime I meet people from employee resource groups now, the first thing that I ask them is, what is your agenda? You, when these issues um, come to light, um, people often discuss them in, in silos without being really clear on what the agenda is. And I feel like the Players Coalition 
just has like this broad agenda that allows the NFL to co-opt it and utilize it for this bland because um, it is bland like there's nothing like provoc I don't want to shit on the actual subject of the commercials but the approach to it is lazy right like it's another commercial it's a, it's a spot what are they actually doing to on the ground to improve the right. players coalition or the right. nfl the nfl right because okay, of the, the players, actual players, the players are doing coalition shit. are giving away grants right the players right. coalition they are enacting uh uh change through through uh, mentorship right. and role modelship they are on the ground right. um actually participating in events the nfl they not doing shit right and, and so it's it's similar to the goldman sachs right it's very much like we want to talk about how we can fix everybody else but what are we actually doing to fix ourselves mm -hmm. which for me if you are not working to fix yourself then everything that you are saying out there publicly in the world is bullshit and it's for press because you have not acknowledged what you did to Colin Kaepernick mm -hmm. and even though you set up they set up the the, the, tr the training um, the workout fake-ass workout that they said he didn't attend because he because he switched locations it still doesn't um, address the initial issue, right? Right, and that's and, the, and the, I guess for me the interesting piece about that is so I was at a conference in the, in early December um, with uh, I would say Davos like people, mm -hmm. like these are people that are in the C-suite at major brands that you know of and we are camping out for three days in the liveliest of luxurious spaces in California. So when I say camping, I'm lying like shit. It was real fancy. Um, but the but but we were in three days full of conversations and a lot of the conversations revolved around these senior executives, these CMOs, these v SVPs, these VPs, these CEOs, these people that you and I and, and you that listen are constantly challenging to like, why the fuck can't you make a decision? These dudes, and yes, they were mostly dudes, are literally sitting in a room asking, well, you know, well, what do we do to be more authentic with how fuck we that. place our brand, <laughs> how we place our brands? And it's like, I'm listening to them sit in a circle and go back and forth and they're throwing out ideas. And I'm like, you don't, I had to like speak up in one of the conversations where I was like, you don't get it. And you're not even, you're not even listening to yourselves. I was like, the whole point of culture is that it's not necessarily something that you create. It is, you don't, you don't authentically create culture. You authentically insert yourself into a conversation about culture that is what we do and the conversation about police brutality the conversation about the racial divide in america the conversation about making people about not treating people like shit you have to address it you can't just come in at the back end of the conversation or the front end of the conversation and only speak to the things that you want to speak to. That in itself is inherently inauthentic. Mm -hmm. That in itself is appropriation. That is literally what appropriation is. Shout out to, what? who was it, Com, uh, Com de Garçon? Yeah, fuck them. Okay? Like, you can't pick and choose what you want from a culture of a culture to talk about and think that yeah this is it and right now the nfl the organization that was 
very compli- um, uh, complicit and compliant yeah. with the franchises and vocal. For, and vocal about getting rid of Colin Kaepernick as he was a divisive player within the league, decided to jump on the exact reason why the man took a knee to friggin' begin with and say, we're going to go ahead and create a Super Bowl spot. The irony. The whole entire <laughs> irony. And I think, and, 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 and on top of all that, so so the the spot was produced by Seventy Two and Sunny and Seventy Two and Sunny Wait, took I on the Rock Nation did it. No, it was produced by Seventy Two and Sunny, according to um, according to the CMO of um, the NFL or sorry the CEO of the NFL. Rock Nation was consulted. They did not produce the spot, uh. but Seventy Two and Sunny produced the the spot right, and they took on the NFL as a client. What was it? Two almost two years ago now, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit over. Anyway. This speaks very closely to who you are as an organization. And we know people that work at 72 and Sunny. Shit, I know people that work on the daggone account. Mm-hmm. But these are the conflicts from, the, from an agency perspective. These are the conflicts that bring divide, a divide within your own organization and within your own creative teams right you y'all like everybody missed the whole fucking point here and i'm not again just like we when we spoke about ogilvy i can't tell people not to go make money because folks got rent to pay but what i can say is all of this is in conflict all of this is uncomfortable all of this is not okay for a very large population of people within this country that have directly been affected by police mm-hmm. brutality that have seen family members and loved ones affected by it mm-hmm. and who are on the opposite end and who have seen it happen like right. this is not okay yeah i mean it's it just feels half-assed and i i say that again from the standpoint of the glass half full right because the the spots do what they're intending to do they're they're um i don't want to say igniting the conversation because black people are constantly having this conversation we're constantly putting it out there but they're adding some equity to the conversation but it doesn't take away from the fact that they're not shit and because they're not shit and we know they're not shit because of how they treated colin kaepernick because of how they treated all the nfl players who were kneeling um no, no, let's not do that because they didn't treat all of the NFL well, players that were kneeling the same. Well, because it almost became an ultimatum at the end of the day, right? It's like right. you and that you, was the problem. You tell like if we're if we're being really clear and we're 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 interpreting this the way that it probably went down in these meetings where there are predominantly white men because we just talked about this last week the fact that there are no what four black NFL co- head NFL coaches in the league it's you tell those black dudes to stand up right because we don't want them kneeling they're affecting our ratings and so this it without them addressing the shit that they stepped in on purpose exactly this feels inauthentic and it feels like you're pandering to black people and like we're stupid (laughs) and that right there is that it is that part because they are not addressing their part yes yes and 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 i i don't think that people understand the power in acknowledging 
where you went wrong and how you've evolved and that's where uh, or whether or not you felt you went wrong right. like yeah. we still don't know the like we still don't know NFL the NFL's uh stance on Colin Kaepernick's stance all we know is that he don't work there no more right <laughs> he don't work there because he he protested but that's their stance and i think that's the whether whether that's what they intended to put out there or not the no 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 that's yeah. what i'm saying because they did not verbally and publicly acknowledge it you don't get to jump in on his conversation right. for something that he was leading to then tell us that we should feel bad right. now granted let me let me take a step back and acknowledge that the family of anquan uh bolden like you totally deserve this platform yeah. you absolutely deserve to do this and i'm not taking anything away from them because good for you and go ahead and get your coins and get your and get your uh your your, your what's the not the funding but your platforming out there mm -hmm. and get your your you know your organizations out there let people know about what you have to talk about but the nfl to use this as your shield to say i'm not racist shame on you yeah because that's what they're that's all they're saying yeah. well we're not really racist because we have this whole employee resource group that they give money you know they inspire change and give money and like we support them i'm real honest with you i feel like that's what most of that's these everybody employee, employee resource groups feel like um and i remember when i was at one agency and they were like hey sim you have to join well, not sim because i don't let people who are not my friends call me that um Hey, Simon, we need you to join the employee resource group. And in that first meeting, I sat there and they're talking about the parties that they want to throw and all the, you know, typical bullshit that keeps people late at agencies. And my question to them is, well, what is the purpose of us being here? Like, what is the what are the problems that we are trying to solve and address? Um, how are we going to utilize this affinity group to increase retention? And no one could really answer that. Uh -huh. And I remember one of the people going, well, we don't want to offend um, the people who are giving us money um, for for our event because then it's like we're stepping on their toes. And ultimately, I just want people to remember that diversity and inclusion, anything that's within that space is revolutionary. You are there to step on somebody's toes because these are the same toes that indirectly or directly said that they do not want you working at their place, right, of business. And so if you are looking at this problem from a very strategic point of view, you have to step on toes, right? And sometimes those toes are people who look like you. Sometimes they're, they're not. But ultimately, like, to step into this space and not address the the elephants in the room and usually those elephants are the wrongdoings of the people who are in power it just it's always going to feel inauthentic and you're you sh you deserve every single side eye that you get and so kudos to them for shining light more light on these issues that black people have been shining issues on for for decades and decades and decades um but ultimately like when we're talking about race they also need to shine a light on the things that they've done within their organization when it comes to black and brown men so i don't actually believe that employee resource groups are there to step on toes i don't think that's their well, well let me finish yeah mm -hmm. i don't think that that's their role at all i think the role 
of employee resource groups have nothing to do with their organization. Your goal is to create a space for you and your peers that identify within that group to thrive because no one else is providing it. Now, in the event that that does cause people to feel like their toes are being pinched, mm-hmm. that is also not your problem because you're not there for them. Right. You are you are developing a program and an initiative and a community that basically that basically support that supports you that creates a comfortable a more comfortable space to work than what was initially provided by the people giving you money right so then i would ask the question is that sparks for me when you say that is why does this group need to exist at all to build a space for people to thrive in a space that they would not have done so without it okay so when you say the not have done so that means that there's a problem that needs to be addressed but I don't believe that employees are like it's not for the employee to fix the problem of of their workplace and that's fair like I think I think it's I think that their job I think that if they want it to be they have an opportunity to create a more comfortable cocoon Mm. than what was initially provided I don't think that they are have to be charged with making shit better and I think that that is why a lot of companies and a lot of people look at employee resource groups even the goddamn NFL look at an employee resource group and they have the nerve to say look at what we are doing it's not at look at what you're doing it's look at what your community is forced to do because you cannot provide an equitable space for them right yeah it's I feel like we're saying no. We're not saying the we're same not. thing. <laughs> um, you're not. No, you're not. But it's it's for me. for me like even when you talk about providing the cocoon, it's the cocoon is the shell, and the shell needs to be developed in a way that prevents whatever harm from getting in, right? And so whether it's whether they're there to fix the problems or not, the you have to address the problems that cause for you to have the need for a cocoon that's the way that's the way that i'm looking at it like, they, the employees right, have the, to address right, their own like, problems well the, yeah the, i mean the, i think right, that i don't yeah. think it's a ha- yeah i think they do that you do that naturally i think the the mere stance of creating an employee resource group does just that right the fact that i feel that i need a woman's e- e- employee resource group means that i Need I feel the need to reach across the aisle and tap the woman next to me and be like, sis, mm. shit don't feel right. Let's go grab coffee and talk. The fact that I feel the need to be involved in a, uh, an employee um, an employee resource group specifically for black people or for people of color mm. means that this is a space where I, as a person of color, do not feel comfortable. Right. And I need to reach across the aisle and be like, friend. We need to go talk. I need to vent. Mm. And in the meantime, we can do things together that make us a community. Now, what Fair. Now, what could the NFL do that would make this better? Because I was like, somebody, somebody had asked me this question yesterday. Like, well, what as an organization where we don't have a lot of black people, mm-hmm. what can we do to celebrate Black History Month? Should, should we do a panel? And it's like, <laughs> no, the fuck you shouldn't do a panel. What the fuck are you doing a panel for? Who you... <laughs> Who, the first before you even start a panel, 
You need to get some black people in there. Right. Go hire some folks. But if that is not something that you can do right now, what you can do is completely go out there and provide platform and support. So the first thing is you need to acknowledge that when you're not shit, right? The NFL needs to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. If they don't believe that they fucked up, they definitely do need to acknowledge that they played an extreme role in escalating the divide on the topic of police brutality. They need to do that. I also think that the NFL needs to go out here. And I think that what the NFL should do from their budget outside of what Inspired the Players Coalition is doing is to take their asses out there and put their budget towards programs. Just the NFL. Don't use your black faces. Don't yeah. don't 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 come out here and try to make it seem like y'all are black friendly all of a sudden. Well, use money from your budget. Yeah. To invest specifically in programs that have to do with educating people, specifically maybe even police officers right. and and white people that watch the NFL. Mm-hmm about police brutality you could open up within your holding company side the nfl you could actually create a new department that specifically does research about police brutality and how it somehow ties back to sports or what the fuck ever and give your boy colin kaepernick a fucking job (laughs) since since you got so much money to give towards grants yeah Sounds to me like you got enough money to create a role within within your conglomerate. Plenty of money. You see what I'm saying? They're not broke. And you're not doing that. Nobody gives a fuck about your training camp. Nobody gives a fuck about whether or not, you know, today you volunteered at, at a police athletic league yeah. summer camp. What we care about is the shit that you fucked up and why it's wrong. Yeah, I mean... I just have to say it ain't, like it just feels lazy and it's so lazy it's it just shook i don't want to say that there are no people of color at the table because sometimes we, there we know are, there are right um but i think it's really being really 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 clear on what is needed and necessary in black communities um and I'm not saying that this doesn't feel like that because all of the the initiatives that are being funded from the Players Coalition are needed, um, are needed, right? So, and they need the money as well. But it just feels like this, as they're, it almost feels like their quinceanera, like their coming out party. Like it is. This, this is. This they is are the, high. <laughs> I imagine them high fiving. Yeah. I imagine <laughs> that there are going to be like numerous. Um, there are going to be numerous uh, uh, nonprofit events during the Super Bowl in Miami with black players going to clean up the sides of roads and visiting, mentoring. Uh, organizations and mm-hmm. talking about their experiences with the police cool. and there will be white people taking pictures yeah. and not involved in the conversation yeah. which is and they will be patting themselves yeah. on the back and photo ops and all this shit look at what we did and there will be parties hosted by Rock Nation <laughs> and Title. <laughs> shout out to both because you employ my homies and I be needing them to pay for drinks at happy hour but I know what this is and you know what it you know 
part of the thing about why we become so passionate on this show and why we've spent almost nearly four years uh, having these conversations is because it hurts it feels like it hurts us more than it hurts other people because i found this week i had the nerve Mm. to come out of my mouth and tell somebody that i don't i it feels like you don't care and they were they were just so incredulous that i could say that what do you mean i don't care of course i care and i'm like okay well it feels like you don't care Mm. that may not be your reality that you don't care but you damn sure don't care about this the way i care about this yeah so, and the problem is that there are a lot of people that don't care about these topics the way we care about them. And so it this hurts right. when we see this. We have visceral reactions. It takes us back to moments that we don't like to revisit. It takes me back to a moment where I thought I lost my brother. It takes me back to a moment where I wasn't sure if, if you know, my, my, my father or my uncles were coming home. It takes me back to sleepless nights. It takes me back to places that I don't like to go when I see organizations like advertising companies and the goddamn NFL and quite frankly any fucking body taking, taking a fake ass stance on things that affect me on a day to day basis because you don't care about this the way I care about this right. this is for play play for you yeah I mean I think it's it's extremely um, shines a spotlight on the lack of alignment between values and behaviors and ultimately like they're doing these these things to pander to us and basically go well we value the same things that you value but ultimately at the end of the day like and it's just stands true for a lot of communities of color like what you actually do means more than what you say like, yeah, how you carry yourself you carry on yourself. a day-to-day basis, not when we're watching you, right. when you think we're not watching you. Yeah, like that says more than this. And and that is the re- and it's not an unfortunate reality. It's it's the value systems of these cultures that you're trying to to speak to and I think that right there for any brand that's trying to reach black and brown communities, they really need to understand like your actions and your behaviors will carry you way farther than any sort of well-crafted copy, any sort of well-crafted PR stunt. Shout out to the NFL for this PR stunt. It's going to carry you way further. And the only way you're going to get those insights that are not written down on paper, um, I doubt they come out in focus groups because they're just the way that people were raised this is this is what your what your parents um instilled in you in these very informal ways the only way you're gonna get those cultural insights is if you hire black and brown people and you have them at the table and you give them the equity to actually influence the the outputs and the initiatives that you're putting out there i actually will counter that i actually don't think that that is the case because i think when we speak about it as you need to hire you need to hire black people to get the insight i think we're actually giving them the wrong idea because they have the insight on paper regardless i think that's what we they've been doing that's why there's so many damn freelancers everywhere that's what they actually have been doing it's the insight is not enough the 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 brief is not enough the research is not enough you actually have to love this it's yeah. art you yeah. got to you got to love this and I think for so for too long we've been trying to think our way around these problems. We've mm-hmm. been trying to to rationalize our way around these problems. We've been trying to put into a a a business perspective our problems and the heart 
of the matter is where we miss the fucking ball. That's where we miss it. Hmm. And so I think moving forward, the request is to get some people who give a damn about what's going on. Because people give, that give a damn are going to make sure that they're pulling the correct insights. They're going to make sure that they're asking, how can we speak to the nuance? How can we manifest nuance? They're going to make sure that the people around them are equitable. They're going to go out of their way, not to do the bare minimum, but to set a baseline and a stretch goal for how they can be better tomorrow. And that is how we solve this. That is how you show yourself to be authentic. That is how you make sure that you're not appropriating when you're embracing culture. And that is how you do shit the right way. Otherwise, they're going to keep giving all of our comp- all of these companies briefs and they're going to keep getting it wrong and we're going to keep doing this podcast until we get but, bored. But and get that's there. what that is. But you're not going to get to that space without having the right people at the table. To me, the right people at the table are the ones that give a damn. True. Just hiring True. because, and True. I'm not even gonna go there. But we know who works at 72 and Sunny. So I'm just saying, like you having black people at the, at the table means absolutely nothing if they don't care the way right. you need people to care. Yes, I mean this is that's that's a conversation for a whole nother day. That, I, I said I wasn't going to go there. I said, See, but I also yes, said what I said. Yes, that is. That, I said what I said, and we yeah, can leave it like that. Yeah, that's the the right people at the table. The, the ones right that values. give a goddamn. Yes, damn. the the right values who are who who feel like they are stakeholders in justice, and that right there is. You can leave it at what I said. Yeah. The people that give it yeah. in. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to. You don't have to mansplain me. Yeah. I said what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think because I I, for me, like it just feels like it becomes a values thing, right? Like, and we, we kind of hit on this when we were talking with Shamika and them um, about- Shamika and Julius, it was Shemeika just the two Julius. of them. <laughs> um, but you know, like people. <laughs> Shamika and them, okay. About like when you're when you're actually like interviewing for the, for these jobs and what it means to have your values aligned with the people that you're interviewing with. Right. There, there is a conversation that needs to be had about values and behavior alignment. And this is, this is one of um, this is one of those those moments where we're seeing them talk about these values, but their behavior is not being aligned to it. And when your behaviors are not aligned, we have to call bullshit um, because it's it's bullshit and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't make us feel good. It doesn't feel like like real progress. It feels like you're pandering. And at this point in 2020, in the year of Beyonce this bullshit is just bullshit and we deserve better we definitely deserve better so we're i am going to i i guess we can hope that i don't continue to have weeks like this because i know i'm on um and i i think i see things a little more clearly and um the pr is just not enough and it's it's also not really entertaining either so with that we can go ahead and close up. Y'all know how to uh, get in touch with us on all the social medias, uh, so social media channels. What is it? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yes. We are at Ask Mixed Company. Yes. yes we, we got are. an email account that y'all can continue to hit us. So shout out to everybody hitting us up on the email account these days um, at uh, Mixed Company Podcast at gmail dot com. Nope, that's not it. What is it? <laughs> it's Ask Mixed Company. Ask Mixed Company at gmail dot com, and then the website is Mixed Company Podcast dot com. Um, but yeah, we'll highlight y'all. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>